Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, The MVM Show, and I'm here today with my compadre, me amigo, Matt Conley. Hey, what's up? Glad you're here today, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, he's actually, I got an airplane I'm selling, and uh, he he's here today, and uh, we go way back to the old Afghanistan, so you guys are going to hear today, but uh, before we get into all that, um, I just wanted to say a few things. Appreciate everybody for subscribing to the YouTube channel. And if you haven't heard about it, we do have a YouTube podcast channel now. Look it up on YouTube. It's The MVM Show. There's, I don't know, there's probably about 40 subscribers now on there. Just announced it a couple days ago. If you're listening to this, go check it out. If you like it, you can listen to it on your phone. Hit play and close your phone, put it in your pocket, listen that way. Or you can just do it on Spotify, Stitcher, or iTunes, any of those podcast platforms. But anyways... Today, we're going to talk about flying Blackhawks in Afghanistan. Matt is a helicopter pilot and also a fixed-wing pilot. We're going to go over that here a little bit more in detail, but be kind of fun conversation to talk about. And we're just going to talk about our deployment and stuff like that. But before we get into all that, I wanted to just start off with you just kind of, Matt, just going into your childhood and stuff like that, kind of growing up and stuff like that, where are you from, all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm actually from here in California. Uh, grew up in LA, born in LA, grew up in LA, and then moved out to Idaho when we were 13, Coeur Idaho. So, uh, I'm sure there's some good duck hunting up that way. Yes. Uh, if you ever want to head up there. But uh, yeah, so California kid, and then my parents moved us out to Idaho, middle school time frame, which is an awesome time to move to, to a new uh, yeah school. Yeah. <laughs> Hard for the kid, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Not nothing remarkable about the childhood to uh, speak of. Always wanted to fly, you know. Growing up, obviously, just pretty much anyone that's in aviation kind of grew up wanting to do it. Yeah. So you did. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a childhood dream. Like how long do you, I mean? How old do you think you were when you remember wanting to do that? I don't know. Actually, my mom or my sister, I don't remember which, found like an old uh, uh, assignment I did. I think it was in fourth grade. Said, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I wrote about flying airplanes. You know, mm-hmm. everyone thinks about airplanes, right? I didn't think about helicopters until until way later in life when I was kind of forced in that direction. But um, yeah, and then so apparently it was fourth grade, fifth grade time frame that was, you know, I was thinking about planes and high school, always wanted to do it. And then you just kind of uh, grow up, you know, it's like, oh, that's just kind of a pipe dream. I've never even flown an airplane. That'll never happen. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Let's go to college and do accounting or whatever people do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and then what happened? I mean... 
like how did I end up in aviation? Yeah, I mean, like kind of what did you do out of high school and stuff like that? So, you know, both my parents went, to co- just did the, the route, high school, college, job. And so that's what I thought I was going to do. Graduated high school and it's like, well, that's pipe dream. Let's just go to college and kind of did the junior college thing for a while. Went to uh, University of Idaho in Idaho, uh, Moscow, Idaho. Um, just did a comm degree, communications. Thought I'd do something like this, you know, like work at a radio show or kind of like writing, oh, okay. some writing or something like that. Well, um, you have the voice for a radio <laughs> show, dude. <laughs> when we're testing the mics, it's like, yo. I'm like, man, I need that voice for doing this show. No, your voice far superior. Oh, far superior. Whatever. You're just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Cut you off there. Oh, that's okay. So uh, then I think my junior year or something, I just was waxing philosophical with some friends about how I used to want to fly. And, and one of the guys happened to be, uh, he was on the football team, the University of Idaho football team. We mm-hmm. were... D2 back then. Or, uh, I think Were you playing? I wasn't playing. You weren't no. playing, he, okay. he was just a mutual friend mm-hmm. uh, in the Big Sky Conference. We're back mm-hmm. there now. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I digress. Um, and he mentioned how he was joining the Marines, doing the ROTC, ROTC thing, going Marines, and he mm-hmm. was going to fly uh, F-18s. And I was like, dude, that oh, sounds wow. awesome. Tell me about it. And he uh, went in detail about all the testing and recruiters and blah, 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 blah. And military had kind of... I don't know why, just was kind of in the the back of my mind at that time. Not like I wasn't patriotic or anything, but just never thought that was something I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this could be perfect because I've always just kind of wanted to help people, but I've you know also wanted to fly, so it was kind of a perfect combination. Like, well, I'd be helping the country, I'd be helping people. Let's go this route. So I went down the path and 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 started that way. And uh, <laughs> here I is. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, then I actually never had sat down and talked to you about that before. But so, are you a are are you a CW two now? I am. Yeah. You are okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, we'll get more into that, I guess, here in a little bit. So, so you end up joining when you were in college, then yeah, joined that, up. That's actually a really long story. Well, let's on get its into own. it. Let's hear it. How okay? You want to hear it? Okay, yeah. Here we go. This is what it's for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I was doing the Marine path. <laughs> You know, talked to the recruiter, was taking the steps, uh, did the uh, flight physical, which is always a big one for anything military. They'll pretty much kick you out if you, if you can't, you know, you miss your nose on a touch or something. There's yeah. something they'll kick you out for. Your right toe's a little crooked. Yeah. They don't want to keep you. I'm sure you know. Um, so had all that going. Uh, was basically, what was the next step I was waiting on? So I'd taken the physical. I'd taken the test. Okay, step back for a second. Okay. So. Were you getting in as just enlisted or you were doing for the walk? Were you specifically going for the walk school or just ROTC? So it was, uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. My path was uh, I was a senior in high college now. Okay. I had talked to the recruiter and I was going to put an OCS, Officer Candidate School packet. Okay. Um, and I forget what the Marines called their, their flight school, but it was with the intention of they took me, if they accepted me, it was going to be as a pilot. And then I'd go through OCS, you know, their basic training every, because because in the Marines, uh-huh. you're a fighting soldier first. Right. But the, but the, my contract would be for flight unless I failed somewhere. Mm. The caveat being. That's kind of nice. Yep. If I did fail somewhere, now I'm, I'm going to be, a, a, well, a, an officer still, but. A, oh. But a, a ground. Gotcha. Okay. Officer. Oh, okay. So that was the, the, uh intent the contract 
So I was moving my way along there, like I said, senior year. What year? Of, would, okay, so what year would that be? This was two thousand three. Two thousand. Oh wow! Actually, it would have been two thousand two because I graduated. So it was in, in the hot time of the war. Then hottest yeah, part. Really? Yeah, it was really. Wow. Okay. And uh, so I was I was playing on the club hockey team at the time at the University of Idaho. Hockey player. Yeah. Who's your team? Now. Yeah. I don't have one. It's, Do my, it's my favorite sport, and I don't have a favorite team. Really? You don't have a pro team that's your favorite? No. I mean, I, I grew up being a Kings fan because I was from L.A., uh-huh. but then we moved to Idaho, and there was no hockey right. on TV. Um, I've been living in Minneapolis for the last five years, so I have a soft spot for the uh, for the wild. Mm-hmm. But I don't, yeah, I just haven't followed it that much. Recently. Okay. Well, all right. But uh, I love hockey. It's a great sport. I like the Sharks, so okay. I was watching them the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, I was on the hockey team. We, we imbibed in the, in the alcoholic beverages more than we should probably on mm-hmm. that team. And one night we were out, we did a thing called Margarita Monday. I drank too many margaritas and, uh, went on a little spree of violence, uh, broke into a fraternity and we were just causing problems, caused problems. You know, it wasn't uh, for us. It wasn't meant to be malicious. It was just college kids bored mm-hmm. anyway long story short we wanted to take like the symbol of this fraternity i think it was a big cannon or something like that we wanted to take it take it and hide it and uh we couldn't it's too heavy and there's only two of us <laughs> and it was chained down oh so my like, goodness like, oh, so they're well. used to people trying to do that kind of stuff yeah yeah so then we're like well let's take their composite you know those big pictures that have the photographs of everyone in the fraternity we're like oh yeah. we'll take one of those off the wall mm-hmm. and then those were bolted to the wall so we couldn't do that so we're just wandering around the fraternity house. It's like 3.30 in the morning. They're all asleep because it's a Monday. You know, most people aren't partying on Monday, but, you know, hockey team, we were doing it. And uh, ended up in their, like, f- uh, formal living room or whatever. I'm like, oh, it'd be fun. Let's just take one of these couches out and put it in the middle of the road. That'd be pretty funny. So we tried to take that out and wouldn't fit out the door. So now we're just kind of like, we need to do something. Something's going to happen here. And it was a dark room, and they must have had a party over the weekend or whatever, and there was a set of turntables, you know, for mixing mm-hmm. uh, for dance parties or whatever. And we're like, well, let's just take this out. This will fit out the door because it was long. It was skinny. So we're walking out the door. Well, apparently we've been very loud during this endeavor. Mm, I imagine. <laughs> and uh, basically as soon as we walked out the back, we no idea what we're going to do with these things. We are just going to take something out of the house, take it out of the house. Probably would have just dropped it in the backyard. I don't know. Um, hadn't thought about it. Like I said, we drank a little too much. And the cops were standing out there, and this was an expensive piece of equipment, so we were taken to jail. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so anyway, I go in front of the judge the next morning, <laughs> spent the night in jail, go oh in front goodness. of the judge the next morning, and he's asking me all these questions, you know, like, you know, what are you doing here I'm in college? Oh, what, what, uh, what grade are you in, senior? Oh, what are you going to do when you graduate? And that's making him sound nice. The judge is very stern. I said, well, I'm joining the Marines, sir. He's like, not anymore, you're not. Well, it turns out this judge is an ex-Marine, didn't like my behavior, didn't like, didn't want my kind no way. in the core, and made sure that uh, that I couldn't progress any further. You're kidding. Nope. How did he do that? He's I don't, a judge. He could pull strings. Because he, char- he, he threw the book at me as far as charging is concerned. So I was basically charged like that day with two felonies. Whatever he could. Really? Yeah, because the turntables were X amount of price. So, that, so it was all based on price, necessarily. Well, so that was a felony. And then he said, because we went into a home, is what he, even though it's a fraternity, you can walk in and out at any time. So it was breaking and entering. He was just pound, he was just pounding into the ground. Yep. Like, if you would have not said nothing about the Marine Corps, you probably wouldn't, he wouldn't even done probably, nothing to you. Probably huh? not. So, wow. What a punk. So, uh, yeah, so I called my recruiter a couple of days later after processing, like, how do I move forward here? And 
told him what had happened. He's like, man, we can't, you know, you have an opening, open felony investigation. You, you can't let you into Officer Candidate School. He was probably mad at you, too. He, he said he wasn't like, he's like, I understand. And when you figure it out, call us back. But right now we have to, you, you're going to have to start from square one. Wow. Like you're, you're done. I didn't know all that stuff. Yeah. So then what happened after that? I was crushed, dude. I was mad at myself. Um, obviously I had to move forward with the, you know, getting myself out of trouble. So found a lawyer, um, moved forward and, the, you know, those, uh, felonies were dropped down to whatever their misdemeanor counterparts are i don't even know i think it was all dropped to one misdemeanor before even going to court and then i did a plea deal which this look you know if we have all day we can talk about this all day we've come back to play later when i was doing army stuff but uh basically i did was called a withheld judgment I said we're going to put you on probation for a year uh, you're going to pay restitution because this guy that owned the turntables claimed because they kept the turntables for evidence so he claimed he missed x amount of days of business so i had to oh, pay God. restitution on that and then um some vandalism had taken place on their property as well we had to pay restitution on so i was on a year of probation pay the restitution and then you'll be off probation this whole thing will be thrown out won't even be on your record anymore but you're going to plead guilty i had to plead guilty to it to the new charge sorry sorry so i had to plead guilty to the new misdemeanor charge Mm -hmm. then go on this probation then it'll be dropped upon the one year in the restitution so i'm graduated college at this point um, don't know what I'm going to do with myself because I was going to yeah. the Marine Corps. I was going to OCS for mm-hmm. the Marine Corps, so I'm trying to figure that out. So had a buddy on the hockey team, lived in New Mexico. So uh, he, his a good friend of his owned a landscaping business. He said, you know, I'll give you a cash job, which would make it easier to pay off this restitution, right? So I go down to uh, New Mexico, lived down there for, uh, it was about a year, paid everything off, and I just worked, 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 paid it all off within two months, uh, at six months of probation, I applied for for the, you know for an early probation release. You know, like so every week, every month, I had to send in a letter saying I I wasn't in trouble, no tickets, mm-hmm. anything, which was normal for me. You know, mm-hmm. so they let me off at six months. Supposedly threw the whole thing out, sent me a letter, said you've been expunged. Thanks for your time. Good luck in life. Mm. And then then I was like, well. I don't think I can, I think I burnt my bridge with the Marines. I called the recruiter again and, you know, obviously it was on my, I had a file. So it was in my file what had gone down. Mm-hmm. It's probably not, you know, this is very competitive. <clears throat> so it would be difficult. For, I mean, you can, we'll start you over again, but we're, we're not thinking it's going to go through. Um, so I just started talking to friends. And, and you'd think they wouldn't, during that time though, they needed people really bad, you think? Not on the pilot side of the house. Really? Uh, it was very competitive, very competitive. Even even before that had happened, it was... What do you think that was, though? Do you think it was because um, it was a lot of people's ticket in to get their license as a pilot? Or do you think it was a lot of civilian people, pilots, going in because of the war? I think on the Marine side of the house, because it's so small. Oh, they just don't need a lot. Yeah, it's the smallest service. I they gotcha. didn't need a whole lot of pilots. And, and gotcha. they'd take guys that were graduating at the top of their ROTC classes or OCS classes. Were and, you doing and, good in your classes? Besides in college, yeah, I was okay. Yeah, I could have done better, but uh-huh. that that didn't because I wasn't ROTC. I was just going. Uh-huh. So they Straight. didn't care about GPA. They just wanted to agree. Okay, but like they'd say, I like my, I said, my contract was specifically for aviation. They'd take guys that just were at, graduating at the top of the OCS class and say, "Hey, you're smart, dude. We're sending you to pilot school." Mm. That's so, funny. Yeah. 
I don't know how I'm a pilot. I'm not even smart. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's so funny how they do that. Ditto but. here, man. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so so now we're at the point to where you are expunged, mm-hmm. or is, however you say that word, I guess. Expunged, yeah. Expunged. And you called them up, so did you decide not to do the Marines say, you know what, just it's Yeah, the recruiter basically talked me out of it. Okay. said, the odds are you're going to end up an infantry guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, not that I was opposed to that. If flying didn't work out, I probably would have gone that route. Because at this point now, I've been doing my research on the military, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to be in the military now. You know, this war is going on. I want right. to serve my country. Mm-hmm. So even if flying doesn't work out, I wouldn't mind doing the infantry officer deal. But I wanted to give my, you know, try my hand at flying first, 100%. So, mm-hmm. so then I uh, um, heard about the Army, and obviously the Army, I mean, we have some fixed-wing stuff, but not a lot. And so I started talking to some people that were in the Army and did rotary wing or, or helicopters. And I was like, dude, this sounds even better, man. Like, I'm flying, but I'm down. I'm, like, feet off the ground. I'm down with the troops. I'm dirty. You know, I'm not up in the air just dropping bombs from thousands of feet. Let's do that. Okay, wait. So you were going fixed wing in the in the Marines? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I missed that part. Sorry. Yep. So now, but now you're talking about doing helicopter in the Army. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Yep. Sorry, this quick jump. I'm with you now. Yeah, so... Uh, like I, you know, during that interim, like I said, during the New Mexico time, I was I was doing a lot of research and just talking to, to guys about um, helicopters and more military stuff. And I just thought it'd be cooler to be down with the troops, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out. I mean, like I mean, you know, we in a fixed wing situation in the in the Marines, you know, you being on the mechanic side of the house would have crossed paths here and there. Yeah, never hardly ever. Never would have made a friendship. But right. being as the way the Army is, we fly together hung out together i mean we 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 were a crew you know we were Mm -hmm. boys so i don't i don't think you have that closeness in a in a fixed wing Mm. situation as you in the helicopter world right we're one big team Mm -hmm. um so yeah so then i applied to do active duty army okay for flight school for flight school okay what year was this where are we now sorry 2003 four three or four three or four yeah i think 2004 because i was in mexico for a year and um my recruiter actually asked me right away, you know, have obviously, well, on a, you had to, part of the application process was the security clearance. I was filling it out. One of the questions was, have you ever been charged with a felony? I was like, shoot, how do I answer this question? So I called my lawyer and I said, hey, man, uh, here's this question on security clearance. How does this work? Have I been charged with a felony? He said, no, you weren't charged with it and it's expunged. This isn't even on your record. Answer that question, no. I said, cool. Don't even have to worry about it. So I checked no and then, go about my business and then uh so i was accepted did the whole whole mm. thing the testing the the physicals the interviews big interview process you know in front of a colonel and a couple majors you know and, and this was for active duty so yeah my packet was going for the whole west coast <laughs> yeah. for like nine slots oh wow for active duty and uh was accepted i was like sweet so i sold everything i owned I go into the MEPS station. It's where you go and you're you're shipping out or doing your physicals or whatever. Do your duck walk and yep, all, do all stuff. that stuff. Yep. <laughs> Strip down, they're cough. Give, give me my tickets and send me to basic. So mm-hmm. it, for a warrant officer, it's uh, regular basic training mm-hmm. with all the enlisted. And then off to flight school where mm-hmm. you do the warrant officer school, seer school, initial entry, rotary wing, instrument, all that stuff until mm-hmm. you they put you in your airframe, you pick your airframe, and then hit the, hit the fleet. 
so sitting in MEPS, have my tickets in hand. I'm waiting. I'm going to go to Fort Knox where they're sending me mm. for basic. Um, <clears throat> sorry. The uh, sergeant in charge there calls me in his office. He's like, Conley. He's looking at some computer screen. He's like, what's this here? Says you, you have a felony? And I'm looking at the screen. Actually, says I have a felony, and my whole brain just goes blank. Like yeah. I can't even like staring at you. You'd just mm-hmm. be a white light. I'm like, what do I even say? So I obviously just have to be honest. So I said, well, I was charged with one two years ago. Now, um, explained to him. He doesn't care. He's just a sergeant. He's like, well, you lied on your application. You're out. Shredded my whole packet right in front of me. Sent me out the door. Said, don't come back. <laughs> Were you crushed again? <clears throat> oh, dude, I've, uh, I didn't, I didn't know. Because you already where, sold everything. Yeah, I didn't know where to go. I had no house. I had no car. <laughs> so I just, uh, I called my parents. Just sitting outside the MEPS building, you know, the federal building in Spokane, Washington. And they they drive the 40 miles, pick me up, drive me back to the house. And I just, I said, I'm, I'm going down to my old room. Don't mess with me. I need to figure. I just sat down there. I think for two days, I don't think I ate. I don't think I did anything. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do. My dreams were crushed. I had mm-hmm. no job. I didn't have anything. Huh. Is, that the, <laughs> is that the end, Matt? That's the end of the story. Here yeah, I am. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I already swiping tears on my hands. <laughs> no, so I just like, well, you know, those two days, I was like, well, I just have to move on to life. So mm-hmm. then I moved back down here. I moved, uh, a friend of mine was in Daly City, mm-hmm. uh, South San Francisco area. And I just went and moved in with him and started landscaping again. Just, uh, you know, not really knowing how life was going to progress thought the flying dream was over. Like I've pretty much severed every avenue there is to a, a military pilot anyways. Okay, but it's expunged. Right. Obviously, he didn't care because sergeants were being dumb sergeants like they do sometimes. Well, it wasn't at the MEPS level. This was at, the, they called it a de- Oh, that wasn't at MEPS. I thought that I wasn't mean, at MEPS. It came down to them that said, you can't take this guy. But the, the dude that actually told me you can't come in, that wasn't his decision. It was just says on his computer it's what's called a, a dep loss and don't ask me what that stands for but basically it means if you lied anywhere on your application wouldn't matter it's what over, it was yeah. it's over so Dude, it could, but I, how'd that show up if it was supposed to be expunged they never so did the, the proper th- paperwork no that's the thing is expunged doesn't mean it's not the, on your record. in the uh, legal world what expunged means <laughs> it just all it means is that um we're throwing this out and you're not going to have any uh, formal charges basically but so here here's the kicker it, like, say you're a uh, a police agency in Idaho, and mm-hmm. you want to go look at my record, you're not going to see it. But because I was fingerprinted for, they fingerprinted me that night, right? And mm-hmm. then they listed under there why they fingerprinted me, which was for the felony. And then that goes into a file off to the FBI. They don't keep it on file there in Lataw County. Mm-hmm. But anytime you pull an FBI record... They see that I was fingerprinted for a felony. It doesn't say why. It doesn't say where it went. It doesn't say if the charges, what the charges, if they were actually proven. Yeah. All they know is I was fingerprinted for a felony in Lataw County. Ah. Uh, That's where it came from because they're doing a top secret commu- uh, security clearance because uh, you, you have to have that. So they really are doing a top yeah, secret security yeah, clearance. They're, and, they're doing the thing because they always say that, but I'm like, are they really? You know, mm-hmm. are they really doing that or what? But, yeah, they're digging in. So that's where that came from. It was all back to landscaping. Okay, so yeah, now you're there. Back to San Francisco. So I'm in my mind, uh, military. Um, San Francisco, South San Francisco. Oh, that's where you're doing landscaping. Yep. I thought you said New Mexico. 
that was I, this is a long this yeah, is a dude, crazy I, story i told you this might be no a, no a that's all right podcast here. okay <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just good i'm just getting lost in the sauce here so, so now new we're Mexi- in south san francisco yeah new mexico was between right when i graduated yeah. college and uh-huh. the, the probation time frame then i came back did the army army now says no i'm lost and i come to south san francisco because my buddy lives there i'm just crashing with him working uh-huh. okay trying to figure my life out um, so again, talking through friends, I decide I hear about the National Guard. I didn't never even heard of it before this time. So now we're in oh four probably. Um, didn't even know what the National Guard was. And for those of you that don't know, it's it's just the army, same as the army, but your boss is the governor instead of the president. So you work for your state instead of the country. But nowadays, the, the uh, state farms you out to the president all the time. Which I know why you're saying I came together. Yeah, I know why you're saying that too is that it's still the army because a lot of people think, oh, where where do you do a different basic training? Do you do this? Like, no, it's all the same. It's everything except you're just more of a reserve, kind of like army reserves. But like you said, your boss is the governor. Yep. So, which actually adds a cool wrinkle, not to Mm -hmm. jump too far ahead, but being able to do cool stuff for your state. You know, like here you have all the fires and. Uh, you can go help out with that, especially in aviation. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're trying to figure stuff out in South San Francisco. and Yeah, so I still had some buddies back in college, and uh, one of them was doing ROTC for the Army. Actually, two of them, two, uh, one fraternity buddy and one hockey buddy. They are both doing ROTC, not for aviation, but actually, no, that's not true. One of them did do aviation. Mm-hmm. But they're like, dude, come back to school, do ROTC, uh, and this is still trying to go to the active duty side of the house. And if you, so do a master's because I already have a bachelor. Come back, do your master's, go to ROTC. If you graduate in the top, I think it's 5% of your class, you can pick whatever you want. So even though you've been quote unquote blackballed from aviation because you were a depth loss, this is kind of a backdoor to that. It, but you have to work really hard at it, right? Mm-hmm. And so just pick aviation but go the officer route. It's, yeah. You have to be an officer, not obviously not a warrant. So, uh, so I was like, all right, you know. It, so let me explain why I want to go to the warrant officer route. So, warrant officers in the army, uh, they do the heavy lifting. They do the majority of the flying. You you come in as a pilot. They expect you to stay a pilot, and you do pilot things for your whole career. Whereas an O grade officer, you know, the lieutenant through general, those guys, you're going to fly as a lieutenant maybe a little bit as a captain and then you're going to you're going to run the show you're going to be given a company you're going to be put on staff mm-hmm. and you're not flying anymore you know you have your different flying levels fact 1 fact 2 fact 3 but um you end up fact 3 with which means you're not flying much fact 2 fact 3 you know you just it's just how the army works so i wanted to be a warrant officer but you know talking to my buddies in ROTC warrant officer out was out active duty wise because of the issue i already talked about like, oh, this will work, you know. Maybe, maybe uh, I was a, the captain of the hockey team. I enjoy leadership, so okay, I could get into this. Let's do it. So I applied to um, graduate school back at the U of I. Applied to ROTC and enrolled in both. Um, <laughs> oh man! And so I go back to school. I have an apartment, everything. Bought a new car now, not new, but new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to the University of Idaho from San Francisco, go to meet the colonel in charge of ROTC like three days before school starts. And uh, he's looking over my records and he's like, what's this about you having asthma? 
<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I have asthma. What's up? And he's like, oh, we can't, oh. we can't take you here, dude. I've already paid for school. I already have an apartment. I'm not trying to make sad, sad, sad you know, cry story here, but that's that's what happened. I so, didn't realize how much struggle you went into being a pilot. Yeah, so no ROTC. I thought my story was sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm still in school, and I have no desire. Like, I am not. You just, just, like, forget it. I'm not an academic dude. Yeah. So I can't believe I even graduated college to begin with. <laughs> and here I am now. I'm supposed to go for a master's without any ROTC, without the possibility of being a pilot. Oh, I was like, no. So I went, I went right down to admissions and 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 um resigned from school like there's no reason to mm-hmm. pay all this money for a, something i'm not even gonna do anything with you know mm-hmm. so now back to the drawing board again for the what third or fourth time third or fourth time yeah so in the meantime i was like well i'm here i have an apartment um i already had agreed to coach the hockey team because my uh eligibility was up this is actually part of a, a acha is what it's called anyway i didn't have any eligibility left to play but i was going to coach the team because a bunch of guys on the team still knew me and Actually, our coach had just quit, so it worked out perfect. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll coach the team, which was all volunteer, no money, um, and you know, figure out where I'm going to go from here, but it's fun. I enjoy hockey. Let's do this. So then uh, I was talking to one of my friends who was still in ROTC, and he's like, he's like, dude, go to the guard route. Go National Guard. And like I said before, I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Did my research, talking to him. Um, so... Basically, it's like we were talking about earlier. You know, you apply to a state, a direct state. So in this case, it would be Idaho because that's where I lived. Um, and then uh, you just go like, you know, to the regular basic training like everybody else, your regular MOS school like everybody else, whatever it is. But anyway, in this this case, I couldn't, in, because the guard's a little different than active duty and how you apply. I couldn't apply directly for flight school. I had to go enlist first. Or go, oh great, you know, off mm-hmm. do something officer, but I didn't want to do that. So here, my my, my thinking was, okay, be, if I can't fly, maybe I'll be a fire firefighter. Would be fun. So I'll do this guard thing as a medic. Then I'll have you know the the army will give me my um, EMT ratings, mm-hmm. which is your medical stuff, mm-hmm. emergency medical technician. Right. <clears throat> and then if if uh, if I don't ever make it into flight, I can use that EMT go firefighter. I'll have a leg up because mm-hmm. I already have all the ratings you need yeah. on the medical side. So that's what I did. Joined the Idaho Guard right there in Moscow. So I stayed in Moscow, kept, kept uh, well, after basic training in AIT, which was about a year long. Medic school is kind of mm-hmm. long. Uh, came back to Moscow, did all my drills there. So drills, you know, just like you hear mm-hmm. on the advertisement, once a month, two weeks a year deal. Mm-hmm. Did a year of that and then applied for Idaho's flight warrant officer flight training school they turned me down twice uh in the meantime my unit had given me a full-time job as a technician oh okay so um i could i kept coaching was working what wasn't bad i mean you know you're a full-time military guy hanging out in in your own state in your own town it's kind of cool yeah making okay money uh not breaking the bank by any means but Anyways, so um, then I decided I had this bright idea. I was like, I'm just going to take a map because not every state has aviation. Mm-hmm. So I, I just took out, printed off a map at work, mm-hmm. and I just put like check marks in all the states that had aviation, and I wanted to stay West Coast. Mm-hmm. And then I further uh, broke that down by how many of them do you need to be in their state 
to apply for like Idaho. Yeah. You had to be in the state to apply, right? So mm-hmm. I, obviously I'm not going to transfer to all these states because it, it, I'm trying to transfer right now. It takes a lot of time. So I was like, I'm just going to throw packets out to any state that'll take it without making me be part of that state first, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I threw packets out to Texas, Washington, Colorado, Utah, and I think a couple others. I don't remember now. This is a long time ago. And uh, I was actually working with all of them, but Washington happened to uh, hit me back the soonest and say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll allow you to apply here, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then I moved forward with Washington and they picked me up for, uh, it was about a year later, you know, after I had to do all the same stuff I did before active duty mm-hmm. with the physicals and the written tests, which, right. I, had, which I had a leg up now in the written tests because I'd done it three times, once for, <laughs> <laughs> once for the Marines and once for active duty army. So yeah. that wasn't hard. I was familiar with the process. Uh, and then, you know, had to do the interviews again, mm-hmm. which you never know how that's going to go. Um, so I'm an expert interviewer as well. And they picked me up. So I, I, I left Idaho, transferred to Washington State, and then I think I drilled there twice as a medic, as a, as a warrant officer candidate, but mm-hmm. still but still a medic. That's what I knew how to well, do. Well, you wearing the walk yep. tab? Walk you tab. Were, okay. Yep. And then uh, after two drills. So when I went over there, I told them I, I wasn't supposed to go to flight school for like two years because the guard's on the back burner, right? You know, if act, like you said, we were at war, like things were going down. They so needed they, medics probably. They, well, and pilots. So they're just pumping pilots through Fort Rucker mm. and active duty guys. Was there not much of a wait during that time? Because I know the thing is with f- flight school, it was always like a big wait. Like your whole, you do you get this section done or phase done, and then you'd wait two months and change light bulbs and do oh, things. Yeah. Was no, it still was, like that? There was. Because there was so many people, right? Yeah. It's that, actually worse when there was more, I think, huh? Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm oh. talking about to go. Washington. Oh, just to leave. Yeah, just to leave to go to leave Washington to go to Fort Rucker. Mm. Washington said it's going to be about a year and a half before okay. your slot. Okay. But I told the uh, I told I told the leadership I was like, hey, you have a shortfall. Um, something comes up, and someone else in front of me can't go. I'll go anytime. I'll leave tomorrow. I'll leave in two hours. Tell me, and I'll be there. And about a week after I told them that, they're like, hey, so this would have been November of uh, 08. And about a week later, they're like, hey, we have a, a, a slot. This kid failed his PT test or something. He can't go. You want to take that slot? And I was like, yep. Man. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Send me, baby. So I Finally. Ended, yeah, I ended up at uh, walk school at Fort Rucker for aviation flight training on in January of 2009. That's like a five-year process. Yeah. Holy cow, dude. I'm, I'm an old man at this point. Don't even know if I <laughs> Yeah, everyone's have calling the, you grand, uncle, yeah. uncle Matt at flights, you know, walk school. Yep, exactly. Probably, huh? Literally. Um, or was there kind of spread out in age? You were spread out in age, but yeah, you know. So. You were definitely in the upper end of that, I guarantee. <laughs> Some trash yeah. talk was made. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, because when I was at basic training, I was, what was I, 23 or something? 23 or 24, and they were all calling me uncle yeah uncle headings or grandpa or whatever oh yeah even even when i went through uh, but they were all like 17 years old yeah and it was in summer or no it was in fall where'd you go to basic i don't like talking about that it's one of the it's one no it was uh fort jackson one of the the sissy sissy base which actually was it wasn't where i went but i remember thinking about going there because it was a mixed it was male and female and i was like oh man because everyone's i was looking it up and people were talking about how 
you know, like, oh, they're softer because there's girls there and this and that. And I'm like, doggone it. Like, I, not that you want to kill your or be hard, but you don't want to be, you're going to the army. Yeah. You don't want to be a, known as going to an easy place. Fortunately, ours, our dudes were like super hardcore, but I did hear of some other like uh, platoons that were like keeping their cell phones and crazy stuff like that. But yeah, I think that they, definitely was not us. I think they do now. Loud, really, I, everybody I can, huh? Just a rumor. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? It was always worse when we were getting yeah, right. right? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine what they thought of us? Right. You know, the guys from World War II think of us and probably yep. think we're worthless. But anyways, so, okay, you finally made it. You're in I flight school. We're, we're, yeah. we're getting somewhere now. Yeah. <laughs> Man, dude. We're two I didn't, hours into this thing. Dude, I didn't I just realize you school. had to go through that much stuff. How, <laughs> how did we go to Afghanistan and never talk about this one time? I don't know, man. We we're talking about other stuff. That's crazy. Like, well, okay, okay. Let's talk about not knowing. I didn't know you were even a pilot until like halfway, not halfway, but I mean, we were well into. Really? Yeah, because you're so quiet about it. You know, one day. Well, dude, because I didn't. One want day people... you told just me. You're like, hey, man, just I'm actually a pilot, and I was like, what? Why didn't you tell me this? Because I'm probably doing everything I do wrong. You could, <laughs> you could have been helping me out. Yeah, and I didn't because I didn't want people like, and it, and it did. Dude, when people started finding out that I was. Their t- attitudes changed toward me. The pilots. In a mainly. positive way, right? Not really. No? Because I think I had kind of, some did. Some did, actually. That's what really threw a weird kink in it because I was an enlisted, mm-hmm. you know, specialist, E4, you know, but had all this, I think I had at the time. Do you remember how many hours I said I had? 4,000 or something, maybe? It was up there, yeah, because you'd already done the medevac thing. I'm, I'm already, actually about to hit eight right now. You'd already been to Minnesota, so you you were up there. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think oh maybe I don't know. Yeah, I had to had at least like forty five. I think you said twenty five hundred maybe. Was it? Yeah. Man, I've flown a lot since I got back. So I guess it's been six well, it's years. Been a long time, yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. Maybe it was twenty five hundred or something. Anyways, because I remember thinking that that was a low hour level to be able to do the medevac deal. And you what twenty? What do you mean? Well, because. Most of the medevacs I've looked at, you know, it's like thirty five hundred hours. Before oh, they oh, hire you. civilian. Yeah, so I remember. Yeah, because yeah. well, these these guys wanted two thousand. So yeah, you're probably right. I bet you it was around twenty five hundred or three thousand. Because then I jumped in the Bell four hundred seven, started flying those for the medevac mm-hmm. right before I came. I actually had done it for a year. We got deployed, came back and did it for another year, and then went straight back to AG. But yep. anyways, um, wow, I didn't realize I didn't waited that long to say so. That was a while. It was in Afghanistan, and we'd done. We went, what was it, Roberts down here that we went Camp to? Camp Roberts, yeah. yeah. We'd done Roberts together. Did they have us in our teams then? Yep. Well, already? I, I don't think it was Chingad- Chingaderas, but yeah. we, we were on the same team. Okay, yeah. it was a There was a few changes, but pretty much how it was then stayed all the way till the end, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so let's see here. So you got done with flight school. How long were you done with flight school before we got deployed? Uh, it wasn't long, six months maybe. So you hadn't got a lot of flying in. Nope. Anyways, I was green. I was green. Yeah. Well, what they call us red? Remember the oh, right. color? Yeah, the weather, the weather crew. We were yeah. red. Yeah, we were on red, the red, red block. Amber and then green or whatever it was. I ended up hitting green or something at the end of the- <laughs> If it's any more dangerous than already than the danger you're already in, then if you're red, you're not doing anything. Yeah. Which so is pretty much every day. <clears throat> so let's see here. Well, now that we got through that, you're less I guess let's roll into the deployment. Okay. Um, so you got through flight school. You got the word that you're getting deployed. We got the word. 
then we met up. Man, dude, I honestly, you probably, you were telling me details the other day. I'm like, man, I don't know how you remember that because I can't <laughs> remember that. I'm asked Sarah. I'm like horrible at that. But so the first thing we did was Camp Roberts. That's the first initial we hooked all the um, Washington, Nevada, and California all came together. Yep, we flew down our uh, Hawks from uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, and met you all at May- Mather, Mather. Mm-hmm. And then we all flew uh, multi-ship down to Roberts. I think it was in like two, three or four helicopter groups and all went yeah. down there. But it was all state Pacific still at that time. So our, you know, Washington was Washington, California was California. We also have Nevada, if it was in Nevada. Yeah. But th- then we intermixed once we were there. That's where I first met you. Yeah. And that was only like a week, huh? Oh, it was two weeks. That was our annual was, training. Oh, yeah. it was okay. Remember, we did all the land nav and the oh my goodness, uh, yeah, shooting. I mean, we did. It I all. don't remember that. Honestly, we did all the ground. That, stuff I remember first, the yeah. shooting though. Yeah. I remember just lighting it up at night. That night fire. <laughs> yeah. Just they're like, we got so much ammo, just let it go. Or like, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Fingers were killing me. Like we were trying to go through. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Maybe that's why I still don't even care about owning an M4. <laughs> but um, okay, so we did all that. That was when was that? Do you remember? Was that in 2013? No, it, well, it couldn't have been. It had to have been 2012 because we left in 13, like February or something. Yeah, so I, I think it was 12 still. Kind of maybe somewhere in the end or middle of mm-hmm. 12. Did all that, kind of got to know each other. Yep. And then we shipped to Hood. Hood. <clears throat> when was that? Do you remember? So that would have been January? End of January. End of January, yeah. Of 13. Yep. I hate that place. Yeah, it wasn't any better second time. Was it? I've done it again, it, it, and a lot so of so Matt Matt's yeah. been on two deployments. He's been to now Afghanistan and Kuwait. So here's here's a little a difference from the guard to active duty for your listeners. That okay, active duty they're training up every day, right? So they're ready. Uh, when when uh, God and country says, "Hey, you're going overseas," they just go. Whereas we have to go to Fort Hood for X amount of time to check these boxes, check the boxes, and make our make, make ourselves. More well-trained so that we can do our job. Well, the thing is, though, um, and you'll get a lot of, like, Cornell. Yeah. Here, Cornell. Why did I call him Cornell? Sergeant. Or yeah. first sergeant. Dave, he's supposed to come on the podcast, too. But what he was always saying is they don't, what they don't realize about our unit, which I understand military, you got to check the boxes. But what he, what he said and what they don't understand is a lot of these people are doing it on their civilian job all the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe, no offense, but might be well more qualified than some of the, the military people because, like, say, like, the, like a lot of our, our medics were paramedics or nurses. You know, they are doing this every single day, like, yep. all the time, you know. And so that's I know that was one thing that kind of always bugged him is, like, but you just you got to check the boxes. It doesn't I'll, matter. I'll say this right here right now live on your podcast, Titus. I will take a guard medevac unit over a active duty one every day for that reason. Not because the pilots are any better, but because right. the guys in the back are. Yeah. 95% of them are doing this every day, and they're doing it in places where they're they're treating things that they're ready. Yeah. They're ready. Okay, so like <clears throat> say a, meta, a medic in a active duty component, mm-hmm. what are they doing I know they're having to do something every day, but what is it? Probably just taking temperatures and yeah, they're working in not them. degrading them at all. No, I'm not, not saying all, that in a bad way, but I mean, so you got guys working in trauma. You guys got working in the ER, nurses, medics, like you said, street stuff. I mean, they're hands on on the civilian side, but that are doing it as a national guard unit. Yep. So what are the guys doing in the active duty? 
They're in the military hospitals. They're in mm-hmm. okay. w- whatever unit they came from. You know, if they're in an aviation unit. So they're still doing that stuff, but... They're practicing. Practi- it's they're all practicing. practicing. They're going to school. They're learning about it, and they're they're working at their craft. I'm not saying that no, they're bad, but but the, the guard medics are on rigs out there dealing yeah. with gunshot Every wounds, stab wounds. Full-time job. Full-time job. Yeah, okay. And that's, and that, like you said, that's more for the listeners to know kind of the difference yep. now when it comes i could see like and this is no offense to to um infantry guys but that it now that's where the big difference i would say would be from an active duty to a a national guard is these guys are shooting every day they're doing all kinds of stuff like train constantly yep. whereas national guard guys unless they're cops or swat or something like that which it could be yep. you know then they're not in as every day and by the way matt is also was is do you still have your badge? Was <clears throat> was was, but you were. A, I'm still post certified, but I'm not a- well, actively working anymore. Yeah, but so you turn your badge in. What happens? Because you were a cop too. Yeah, I uh, I Street. quit quit to move back to Idaho yeah. about three months ago. Okay. Oh, so you were up till then. Mm-hmm. I thought you had kind of quit a little bit farther back, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> how'd you like that? Loved it. It's good job. Yeah. So it's just roaming the streets every day, huh? Yep, street cop. Did you see some crazy stuff. Yeah, more than I thought I would. Really? Yeah. Uh, you were downtown Minneapolis? I was all over Minneapolis. I started on the north side, which is like our quote-unquote ghetto, if you will. Um, That's where they start the new guys? No, they put us all over. That's just luck of the draw luck for of me. The draw. <laughs> <laughs> which probably is, but you glad you got that, honestly? Yeah, yeah I'm glad I went there. I, I tried to, uh, so not to, to uh, digress too much, but when you come out of the academy, they just you know throw you to the four winds. Mm-hmm. You do your field training, and um, I wanted to go back to the north side. I just was there for my fu- some of my field training, mm-hmm. and um, we did we do what's called a citywide bid. And I'm you know so low seniority. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys want to go there because it's it's action action packed. And I just didn't end up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happened to be placed there briefly um, for what was it about a year probably. And then when the bid happened, I I moved out. They put me somewhere else. Mm. So you like that? Huh? I mean, we better not. We yeah. better not get into that because that we'll have to do yeah. another podcast for okay. that. I would love to hear some of those stories. If I don't know, is that something you're able to talk about? Yeah, we can want talk to? about it. Okay, it's, it's all on camera, man. All right, it's public knowledge. <laughs> oh, that's true. Now, did you have to wear a camera? <laughs> I had too? to wear a camera. Yep. Oh my goodness. Do you have? Do you, did you get to keep any of that stuff? No, but I, I still have my login. We're not allowed to go back and watch it unless it's for a you know court. You can't like like so I could just log in. So you could still be pulled into something down the road because I could be subpoenaed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For for a report, I how wrote. many years after like forever? Yeah, probably. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Like you said, let's not delve off into something else. We'll we'll come back to that. I kind of forgot to tell everybody that. So thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. In the army and the <laughs> law enforcement, that's a it's a big field. So okay. I don't know how we're going to approach this Afghanistan thing. <laughs> Give me a subject to talk about it. You want to well, talk about a mission? You want to talk about we're, the the topic of this podcast is episode forty seven is flying Blackhawks in Afghanistan. So I'm sorry I took up so much time with my. No, I wanted to hear. I mean, my <laughs> you couldn't have flown Blackhawks in Afghanistan if you didn't go through the pay. It obviously showed you wanted to be in aviation. Bottom line, I yep. mean, I you know I paid a big price to be in it too, but personally, nothing like that. Like. I did it on the civilian side, you know, came in the into the military already a licensed pilot. 
So I did not at all do that. Which could be a whole nother podcast. Why didn't you go aviation? Why didn't you fly? I, I guess you did go aviation. Well, why didn't you go pilot? Because I didn't want... You mean... Why, like, did, why didn't you join the military and, and go, do theirs? Yeah. Well, that's why I joined. <clears throat> I did join. I was already a pilot, but I joined to be a Blackhawk pilot. Right. <clears throat> well, I uh, got in and... Uh, I don't know, man. It didn't take long, honestly. I wasn't in very long, and I realized I don't want to be in this any longer than my contract. Yeah, that's what I remember you telling me. I was like, Dude, I, just go fly. You're probably which, better than anyone out here. When, now looking back at it, it wouldn't have hurt nothing because I, I was doing the math in my head. If I did a six-year – I had a six-year contract. Two years in, they said they would have sent me right then and there. That would add, I would have had to do one more six more years. You have to sign another six years for walk. Well, but it's not additional. It would have been just two more if you were oh, two it's years not? in. Yeah, they don't. They told me I had to restart a six year. They don't stack, in other words. So you'd start your six years from where you were. Oh, well, right. Yeah. yeah. So, but it wouldn't okay. be 10. But I guess you know? that was, it was two more years than I was like, uh, well, maybe not because if the wait, depending on how long the flights would took, that would have been another three. That's true. So. <clears throat> And by then, I had met the people, seen how things were run, and I was just like, dude, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, And be honest with you, it's either almost, I don't know, if I had to do it over again, I might have just went active duty. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> everything would have moved faster. And to me, it was almost as inconvenient going once a month, plus actually being a crew chief and having to still get the hours. Yeah, you still had to do your I AFTPs. still had to go up there a lot more. So people that are listening to this, they think, oh, National Guard or Nasty Girls, whatever, they have those nicknames, and that's funny and fine. But, like, being in aviation, we had to be down there quite a bit. Well, I was two hours away. Yep. So I had a two-hour plus working in crazy hours doing um, crop dusting, and especially always during the summertime. Then the two weeks AT was always in the dead of summer where I'm the busiest. Yep. So just the whole thing was like, this, it's just not going to – let me do my time. And just get out. <clears throat> then the deployment. Now we're, we're at that point. Seeing the leadership there was just ridiculous. Like not all of it, because I had some really good leaders, you know. Like, and I probably shouldn't. I probably won't or shouldn't name any names, but like, because <clears throat> this stuff goes all over the world. You know what I mean? You never know. <laughs> Can't erase it once it's out there. Yeah. So, and it, I don't really care about that, but who knows? I don't know if there's some legal things you're not supposed to say. But anyways, the some of the leadership, the top leadership was horrendous, very selfish. One of the words that was used a lot was um, um, career progression. Yep. Remember, we heard that all the time mm -hmm. from our tighter leaders that were good guys saying that's all they care about. And it, is, it was all they cared about is the military has changed a lot. Like, I, you, to me, you just how can you get anything done? You got so many hoops to jump through, you know? So, um, but anyways, flying Blackhawks in Afghanistan, you got me off on a side trail there. <laughs> but Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do it. I always wanted to fly. Actually, we're, I'll tell you which I, what I always really wanted to fly was a Huey. Yeah. That was, and it still is to this day. I finally flew him, and it's something I just, I could love. I'd love to be in working every day because too many Vietnam movies as a kid, you know? Yep. That's what really made me want to fly is watching war movies Vietnam War movies when I was a kid. Was so I wanted to gun, do. Huh? No, <laughs> dude, believe it or not, everyone always called me Maverick when I was younger too. Like, oh, you look just like. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's a good thing. But, anyways, um, 
I probably honestly since the time I was eight or nine, I wanted to be a helicopter pilot too. So, but anyways, so we're in Afghanistan now. What was it like? Was it enjoyable flying in Afghanistan? Absolutely, it was. Loved it. Still, still think it's the most challenging flying I've ever done. And I was a fresh out of flight school. That's the crazy thing about the army. You know, you're fresh out of flight school, dude, and you're doing no illumination, dust landings in the middle of nowhere while being shot at. I mean, I haven't experienced anything like that since. I'm not saying yeah. we were shot at every time, but there were a couple. Oh, yeah. See the tracer, uh, tracers coming in and all that good stuff. Yep. Now, what was so challenging about it? Was it just the environment? I mean, like. Well, you have no contrast out there because, you know, out here you kind of used to the pollution. So you see, like, on the horizon how it's all. I don't know, fuzzy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you kind of lose the horizon while out there. It's dust. There's so much dust in the air. That's how the horizon looks all the time. And then you have, it's there's no contrast because the air is dust. There's no, you know, you, you see blue sky. Right. Just, you remember that? <laughs> right. Like yeah. the air is just full of dust. It's uh-huh. just kind of brown air all the time. So there's no contrast. And we were lucky where we were. There were some mountains that you could kind of use for navigation, but it was so dark out there at night, no illumination. There's no ground. Yeah. There's no Trippy. ground light. That you don't know what's up from down. You're pretty much flying instruments, mm-hmm. was, and then you're flying into dust landing to, at midnight. You know, <laughs> I don't think it is cha- more challenging than that. Yeah, those dust landings were unreal. You were you? Do you feel like you were totally dependent on the crew chiefs on those? Yeah, or do absolutely. You, where you were, because yeah. you could could you really not see? Honest to God, um, I mean, you're coming in to a point. To a point, yeah, and you're. For me, and this probably wasn't a good technique, but I'm trying to, I'm just kind of checking my descent rate, you know, make sure, because you know what you can slam it into the ground at. And if you go over that, you're going to hurt people or yourself or the yeah. aircraft, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm straight and my descent rate's not too high and I'm listening to you and just waiting for someone to say, go around, that's it. And if I don't hear it, we're slamming in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what kind of, what kind of impact can a Blackhawk hit down at without ruining or hurting something or someone? Because you can slam down pretty hard, huh? I'm asking you a technical question. Yeah, sorry, and I don't remember. The, I should, but those numbers. Well, I go probably away. should more than anybody because if I'm a mechanic, was a mechanic. I'm doing all the fixed wing stuff now, so I have different numbers in my head. But it's, yeah. it's high. Uh, I know it's just, G. Is it by G's? It's by G's in the in the book. Yeah, yeah. I think. Do you remember? That's a, it. Was a lot though, wasn't it? it yeah, it's high. Man, I don't remember. I don't at all. remember. I but, should know that too. But I. I actually remember just this last deployment we were in a desert environment too for a little bit syria area and i put one in the ground just in training it wasn't even for real at, at 700 is what i saw last on the um 700 feet 700 feet a minute smashing we bounced seat stroked which i've never you know, like to the bottom which i've wow. never felt before so, so you hit it you hit the bottom so at least 700 feet a minute <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that now yeah. <laughs> So the second time around, talking about experience, so the second time around, you just, did you feel a lot better as far as just everything? Yeah, much better. What, I mean, did, did the Afghanistan deployment kind of feel like a fog, the whole thing to you? When it come to flying and like, did you, you know, did you look back and think, oh man, I didn't know that or could have done this or, you know, any any if of those I, situations? If I could go back and do it again? Mm-hmm. Would, yeah, absolutely. On the flying side of the house, like, oh man, I wish I would have practiced that more. I wish I knew this more. I wish we would have trained on that a little harder you yeah know? i think i think it, uh, the army focuses on the wrong things in my opinion a lot when it comes to flight training you know you have all these regulations and you have to check box abc in this case kind of turned into a, a checks check the box mm-hmm. 
organization, in my opinion, at least the few I've been in, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, like say I was an IP and you were a pilot, like you're struggling with dust landing, let's just go do them. Mm-hmm. You know, who cares right. about instrument flying? We're going to Afghanistan, we're never going to do it. Yeah, right. Let's you're go. talking about before deployment, they're focusing on the wrong things as far I, as training. I, yeah, I feel all the time, you know, our, our, as an aviator in the guard, and, and I'm just talking from the guard side of the house here, not active duty, because I've never been in an active duty unit. But you have to go, on average, once a week and go fly to stay current. That's the focus is just staying current, which is an hour-based thing. So as a as a PC, like say I was PC, you're PI, mm-hmm. you know, pilot, co-pilot. And we're like, hey, let's go fly Tuesday. We can just go whatever, do whatever. We just go fly from uh, Fresno to Sacramento to, let's, oh, let's go over the ocean for a little bit. You're not getting back. nothing out of that. No, it's fun for you and me. We're doing some sightseeing. Well, yeah. We buzz the house. Go get lunch. But you're not mm-hmm. learning anything. No. Um, and I'm not saying you need to go do ATM tasks every time mm-hmm. you fly, but you should do something. Yeah. And uh, we don't focus on that, at least I gotcha. the organizations I was in didn't. Well, that's the, and saying that, that's what I've said to other people. I said, I can get in any, and I'm not, this is not even bragging or nothing like that at all by any means, but I can get in any aircraft, a helicopter. I can jump in any helicopter, whether I've flown it or not. Mainly the ones I haven't flown. Jump in those, tell me how to start it. If I even need that, just give me a checklist. I'll start it up. I'll go fly it by myself. And within 20 minutes of me doing the same maneuvers that I do crop dusting, I'll feel like I've been in that thing for 100 hours. But if I take that thing and I lift it up with some other guy, a really staunch, strict instructor, we lift up, we fly to this airport, we land, do this certain approach, we do all that stuff, it's going to take me forever to get accustomed and at home in that aircraft. And that's why I try and and I'm not bragging, but I mean I have almost eight thousand hours. I know like this is not something I'm just talking. I know I'm telling you because I've done it so many times. I've jumped in aircraft, never been in, did that, did uh, hammerhead turns and dove down in the field and going across it, come back up, you know, make sharp turns, make kind of put the helicopter to work. Yeah, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. put it to work. But all this in flight school. I think they could, and I know you got to do certain things. You got to be safe. You know, the students brand new don't know what they're doing, but I think you can accustom to it a lot more if you work that helicopter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not trying to tell instructors to do something different. I'm just saying like, that is how, it's a prime example of what you're saying is you guys aren't, you're using it like an airplane more a lot of times, you know, patterns, here to here, traffic (laughs) patterns, go eat lunch. You're not picking much up out of that. Yep. You know, and I get that. Like it's helping me now though in the airline world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother subject. Matt's now going to the airlines. Do you yeah, you should write a book, man. Yeah, I'll settle down one of these days, figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> no, you know what though? I'm constantly doing that. <laughs> I've been made fun of a bunch, like, oh what now is he gonna write his own book now? I'm like, actually I've been thinking about it. <laughs> do it. No, I, I don't You have I, the podcast. I, I, Let's I, do a book. Hey dude, you know, it's like anybody can do it. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, you know, really. Everybody. I mean, like, I never knew that stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I never knew all that stuff. I did not know the process you went in to be a Black Hawk pilot, and here we are in Afghanistan, from two different toy areas. How our stories, and we're boom. Now we're on the same team. Yep. We're flying together. But and you know you're you're the whole reason I was in Minnesota for the last five years. I am. Yeah. I think I know that, but I can't remember why. You sent me to Scotts. But that just didn't work out, huh? No, and that's a, another story too. I'm but, sorry. 
but just to add to your point that, uh, I mean, you've impacted my life significantly. Well, and now here I am. Hopefully it had been a good way, not in a bad way. Back from Minnesota, back at your house, chatting on a radio. Or what, and you what know, is this considered some type of medium? Yeah, it pretty <laughs> much is a radio, radio show, the MVM show. But uh, yeah, if you guys if you guys are watching us uh, on YouTube, give if you don't mind, give this video a thumbs up if you're liking it so far. Got several other military uh, buddies that do want to have on here. And like I was telling you, Matt, you're like one of the only ones I really stay in contact with besides Dave. Yep. And uh, maybe Matt Claiborne and my mind's going blank. Calvin. Oh yeah, Calvin. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's rocking the paramedic world now, isn't he? Yeah, firefighter. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. he's doing good. But like it, once a year, maybe I probably talk to him more than anybody. But you know, you just get those people that you just I don't know have like minded or like you know spirits, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, but spirits are like that. Yeah. So what we got planned on, he's actually buying an airplane from me, and we're going to go pick it up tomorrow. He's going to do some little frost protection with me, fly, buzz around. Hopefully you hopefully you can fly for me. Yeah, I will. It's like take a nap. No. Give me the controls. <laughs> hey, we'll take some uh, some NOS or some Red Bulls in there <laughs> and tell war stories. Yeah. But Pod, I don't, podcast okay. live from the Let, helicopter. I don't want to end this. I, I would say probably within the next 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we'll wrap this up. But let's talk a little bit. Um Let's talk some of our stories. Okay. Let's tell some of our stories. Okay. Tell the people what we had planned to do for your oh, good yeah. buddy Titus. You want to hear that one? So, like I said earlier in our chat here, uh, Titus didn't tell me he was a pilot until after we were in Afghanistan. We'd known each other for a while at that point, all of Roberts, all of Hood, which Hood takes three months. How long were you there? Three months, yeah. yeah. So, we knew each other. I think we were, I'd consider you a friend by yeah, the end of Hood. Yeah, good friends. Oh, yeah. So, we go into Afghanistan and, and we're hanging out at. Uh, uh, Fab Farah out in the middle of the desert. And it doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. I think it didn't. It, they took it over, didn't we they? We gave it up. Yeah, and, and then and the then Taliban the took bad it over. Boy, the bad guys took it over. And, and then, I think we have it again now. Do we? I think we've started <laughs> using it again now. Okay. But I could be completely wrong. So don't hold me to that. Um, well, we just said we were sitting in his room one day, or my room, I don't probably his room, just spitballing. I was like, dude, you're a pilot. You know, we're out here. Uh, you could probably fly me, and I think we had three other, four other pilots of commiserate experience to me, so young, and then a couple of really good, you know, older guys that that knew what they were doing. But mm. but Titus was probably out of all the pilots there, he's probably the third best pilot, and he wasn't even a pilot for us. So I was like, um, you know, in the military, we have these removable name tapes. So I was like, dude, one day let's just put my name tape on you, put the helmet on because you can't see someone's face, put the visor down. <laughs> Just go jump in the co-pilot seat and go fly this thing. And we were like, yeah, let's do this. And uh, I don't know why we never did it. I think I actually spoke with Jay Enders. He said no. And I said, hey, Jay, he was our uh, IP there and, and a really squared away guy. And if anyone would understand, it would be him. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. I, I just want to slip Titus into this training flight instead of me. What do you think? And he looked at me like I was a moron because... <laughs> Because the army has so many stupid restrictions, uh, you know. I mean, well, look at look at this thing in the news the other day about this marine commander does a flyby. It wasn't even that low, and now they're FEB and him kicking him out, taking no him out way. of flight. Yeah, man. So, where do you, where do you do a low flow flyby? I don't remember, but it was he was like the command a wing commander, and he wasn't even the he was a navigator. And, I didn't hear uh, about that. Yeah, and that's what the military does, and so that's what Jay was worried about. I was like, I'd, yeah. I'd do it in a heartbeat, is what basically what he said. But right. if anyone finds out about it. I'm out of a job. 
Yeah. And that's what scared me. You can't throw your career down the toilet like that. For that. No, I, and I don't But if it was me now, and you, and you know, we were still in the same unit. I'm a PC now. You can imagine that. We'd fly. You'd fly. You just got to get the right crew. Just Or no crew. On an AFTP, you don't need crew during oh, the day. that's right. Yeah. Dude, that'd be awesome. You know who I had another uh, little flight lined up with was, um, uh, let me think about it for a second. Hold on. What was his name? He was awesome. Oh, um, the Nevada guy. Um, tall dude, gray hair. Busboom? But no, not Busboom, not Busboom. He wasn't on our team. He was oh. he's like one of the best pilots out of the, everybody, but he got stuck at um where was their main base? Shindan. Shindan. How can I forget that name? He was at Shindan. Dude, you know who he was. Who was he? He was from Nevada. He was their main MTP. Oh, Desharm. Desharm. Yeah. No, Desharm told me he goes, when we get back. We're, I'll tell you a spot. I'll send you the coordinates. We'll meet you out there. Yeah, dude. I, in Nevada, you jump in. We'll go buzz around. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I'd want to do for you. I'll still do it. Who do I know? I, you know what? Next time I'm up there, and what? Ooh, next time I'm up in Washington. Well, I'm not going to be Blackhawks anymore. I'm going to the Lakota. What? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, that's transferring from Minnesota to, to back to Washington is going to the Lakota unit. Well, that will do more on the civilian side, but... Yeah, I don't think you'd have any stinks. great interest flying that. I mean, it'd be cool, but not like... Yeah, I could <laughs> go like fly that here. I could yeah. get a job doing that here, but... I was actually looking, applying for a job for our utility company for Blackhawks. They have like two of them, but... Oh, yeah? They're... I'll tell you right now, they're mainly just hiring military pilots. Well, but, if you don't mind going to Australia for six months out of the year, there's a company in Idaho to hire you today. Really? Mm-hmm. Doing what? Flying what? Flying the Hawk. Really? Fighting fire. Really? They spend half the year in Australia and then come back here and do fire season over here. How do you so, know they'd pick me up? Because they just hired a dude with like 500 hours, never even seen a Blackhawk before in his life. So he was just like a second a co-pilot or something? Yep. I mean, you'd start that way. But you get your, your hours and then boom, huh? Me or you? No, like anybody. Oh, you? Yeah, you'd probably be... Just a, rake your hours in quick? Yeah, you'd be a PIC or, or captain, whatever they deem it. You uh-huh. Know, with wow. With one tour, I would imagine. But they still got to do a pilot and co-pilot? Yeah, yeah, Blackhawks two person just FAA mandated. Can't fly it single pilot. Really? Cause someone was telling me there's a guy down south. He bought it for his own personal thing. They've got a business, and he said he's been flying that single pilot. I think to legally fly something single pilot, you have to have to be able to fly and manipulate the engines at the same time, which you can't do in a Blackhawk. Hmm. Interesting. He was probably lying to me. <laughs> Well, okay, so that didn't work out. We tried that plan. Yeah, we tried that, and I was bummed, and I was actually telling him we were texting about doing this, and I was like, I think about that probably more than I should, because it's not, <laughs> I mean, right, it's not that big of a deal, and probably would have uh, ended in Jay being fired, but yeah, it just bugs me. You know, a guy like you could fly us all under the table, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know, you just sit in the back, Dude, not, sit I, in the back, putting your life in our hands. I can't fly you under the table, but it's just the fact that, yeah, it's... It's kind of just bummer the way that the rules are, you know, like you just got to do everything by the book and yep. everybody do back in the day. They would have, they would have just, they did, you Viet- know, like in Vietnam, Vietnam like if, yeah, if I walked in there and I was a crew chief and they knew that they threw you right up front over, they throw me in front to be over that yep. like that. But it's just now it's just so many rules and people worried about losing their jobs and thanks Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really unfortunate, dude. It really is how the military is. Well, that, that's one of the downsides to Army aviation. I'm sure all of aviation is the way, but just the, the backstabbing, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you come in, you do a roll on, five people watched it, and then eight people are trash talking you for real. 
like, oh, that, that's garbage. Oh, he broke a tail pin. Oh, he should be fired. Mm. It's just yeah. so backstabby. It is. And you know why? Because we're really not fighting. Call it Afghanistan war, but it's really a policing. It's not, it wasn't really, it's a conflict. Yeah. Like, if you look, the really last war we had was, um, well, they call it the Korean War, too. Was it that one? There's somewhere in there, and I, don't quote me up, I'll be wrong, but they've been conflicts. And I, maybe it was since Vietnam or something like that, or Korean, I can't remember. But everything since then has been conflicts. It's not actually been war. You know, where there's a winner or a loser. Well, Vietnam, there wasn't a, a winner. Yeah. If you look at it. There, well, but World yeah. War II, there was. It was It was signed. It was done. <laughs> it was over. You know, like, okay, yeah. you won. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I surrender, you know, whatever. But anyways, um, so what about hoisting? Because being a medevac unit, we, we did a lot of hoisting. I actually... To be a crew chief, that was actually really fun. That wasn't probably so fun in the front seat, was it? Just trying to hold a steady, just. No, I like, I love hoist. We never used it for real. Yeah. But it's a good skill to have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I don't know that we did it a whole lot over there, even in practice, at least not me. I'm sure you really? did. <clears throat> it seemed like we did. I feel like I did. Mm. Yeah. Not a lot. I guess I shouldn't say a lot, but decent amount we used it in minnesota for state missions we've done did you get to actually do some real not, not me personally but our unit mm -hmm. yeah but never i've never done it for real like had to do it for real in combat so i know i'm i'm so bad about getting on this topic i'm trying <clears throat> this podcast is named flying blackhawks in afghanistan i feel like we've kind of danced all over the place but what was it what's going through your head when you're flying through Afghanistan in a war zone, an area of threat where something could happen to you. Did you even think of that? Did you, did you, did you just, no, it's just another day of flying really just do your job. Um, I was just so excited to be there, you know, uh, during that whole time of trying to become the pilot, I just wanted to deploy, I just wanted to uh, serve my country mm -hmm. and, and help the troops. So never something that scared me you know i was like almost cr like wanting it you know mm -hmm. what i mean like let's be shot at let's come back with some holes in this thing let's let's have stories to tell and we we only did once actually have holes in yeah. the helicopter um were you so, on that mission yeah you were on that mission yeah. and you know what kind of irritates me about that i can imagine you know why I think right I, know why. <laughs> I was supposed to be on that flight oh actually yeah. i was ticked and this is gonna not make sense what you're saying right there will not make sense to a lot of people saying they want to get shot at yeah and so this is more than now the mean potatoes of this podcast and get serious because that actually almost gives me kind of chills you saying that because no one can understand that except for people that have been in that situation or want to be. Mm -hmm. And those people look like they sound like they're crazy. <laughs> like that kind of sounds crazy. Yeah. If you say someone wants to get shot, I didn't care if we got shot at. Like I almost hoped we would. Like yeah. I, if I'm here. Let's do it. Let's do this. Yep. Let's let's shoot. And it's not necessarily about me shooting back because, I mean, now we're a medevac unit. Yeah, we have our M4s. But, like, I want the worst situation. I want the worst living environment. I want to go on the <laughs> hardest missions. Yep. I want to do the most crazy, ballsy missions. You know what I mean? And so feeling like – and there was a few times that I feel like we did some, some hardcore missions. But, like, I wanted that every day. Yeah. I'm you with know, you. exactly. I felt exact same way, even with the living conditions. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what you, what didn't you feel guilty? Tents. Well, yeah. I mean, there was some bad living conditions, but some of it was like 
I almost felt guilty for. Yeah. Remember the guys that came in? You, we, me and you went to, um, what was that one? Delorum. We went together, right? Uh, no, we went at separate times. You went first. We, didn't, went we weren't you. on any missions together on that? Not in Delorum, no. Okay. That is what I imagined deployment to be like. Yeah, me too. Seriously. And that's yeah. why I like that. In fact, did you end up staying there? I wanted to, but they I was they just there back. for the two weeks, yeah. Yeah, they... Um, you know, I, don't, I missed a medevac when I was there. Did you do a medevac? Medi- I, I missed one. Like a medevac, medevac, medevac. Did I, did I tell you this story? No. Let me tell it real quick. Yeah. So like Titus is saying, this place is a small little marine outpost. What, like 20 marines? Yeah, and the, uh, we just and had a tent. eight or 10 of us, 12 of us. Yep, just two helicopters. I mean, you're eating... This is how I imagine deployment to be. Yeah. You're, we're eating basically MREs and some some stuff that's been sent to us. Protein shakes. Protein shakes. But then it, when you go in the chow hall, it was the, not the MREs, what's the other, there's uh, another food source. What are they called? K-Rats, something rats, something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forget the technical term, but it's just a bag you dropped in boiling water. Yeah. And then poof, there's your food. That's what I thought deployment should be. I didn't expect any more than that. So to me, that was the epitome of it. Yeah, and then, you know, you're sleeping in a tent on a cot. It was a mattress on a cot. Yeah. Whereas in uh, Farah, we were on like nice, be- I mean, nice mattress. beds with tiled floors and you could sweep, you yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. So, not what I expected. Not what I expected. Yeah. But it still was out in the middle of nowhere. I'd rather have been there than Shindan. That was yeah. like a city. I didn't like Shindan just because that was the flagpole primarily, yeah. but I didn't like being there at all. It's worse. Yeah. That was the worst time oh, of that deployment. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, where did we get off track there? Okay. So uh, let me tell you about this medevac mission i i missed so for the, your listeners out there that don't know how medevac goes down you, you're sitting in, you just sit around all day you're on shift 24 to 48 hours depending on how you run it and uh, you just carry a radio so you, you can't stray far from you know where you live but you know you go eat you go to the gym and you play cards write puzzles whatever and uh so have this little radio and and that was the other cool thing about delaram was their gym was just this outdoor dust covered mm-hmm. I mean, you, you felt yes. like you were lifting weights yeah, out there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Marine dudes are coming in there in their little pan- shorts. panties and no shirts. And just, <laughs> you know, you felt like Sweating. little wuss working out next to them. But, <laughs> so that's what I was doing. I was in the gym and I was by myself. Usually I worked out with one of the other pilots or crew chief or something. But this day, for some reason, just schedules didn't work out. I'm in there working out on my own. It's in the evening. You'd wait till the evening because it's so hot during the day. Sun's going down. I have my radio and, and I'm always picking it up. I'm always listening because it just makes you nervous when you're on duty. And I'm in uniform so if mm-hmm. it does go off just take your top off yeah i can just run out to the helicopter and, and and so i'm a co-pilot at the time in our job when so did i explain how so you have the radio and if they go medevac 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 three times that means you need to go start the helicopter right now and be off the ground 15 minutes we want to be off faster mm-hmm. 15 is as like fast as possible yeah you want to be off in five um you know, if they say, you know, all pilots and crew to the talk, then that means you have time for the mission or whatever. But so anyway, it, um, I have my radio, I'm in the gym, I'm ready to go. And my job when that medevac, medevac, medevac goes off is to be the first one to the helicopter right. and have everything set up so that when the pilot and command steps in, all I have to do is hit the start buttons and we're ready to go. My job would be to fly and he's going to be telling me where to go, the PC, telling me where to go, what's wrong. You know, who we're picking up, what we're going to do with them once we have them picked up, what the enemy situation is like when we're there. All He knows everything. I'm just flying. So anyway, I'm in the gym, and uh, this crew chief, can I say his name on here, Ryan Moore, Ryan Moore comes in 
full full gear and the crew chiefs wear like this thing over their face i mean they have way more cool gear than we have (laughs) (laughs) and he has it all on and he just i'll show a picture i'll pop a picture up on the youtube channel of of my mask it was pretty sick and he just walks in there and i'm just like i don't remember what i was doing let's just say bench press in hand and i look over and i see him in his full garb and i'm like and he just you know gives me the and i can't see his face because he has a thing closed but the arms up and i'm like oh crap and I just drop the uh, whatever I was working out with, grab the, and just run out there. PC's already sitting in the aircraft Ticked. with blades spinning. Oh. He already has it started. I missed the like the the radio didn't pick up the call. No way. It was a Cat A medevac. Oh. <laughs> they were. If anybody doesn't know what that is, that is the most important. Yeah, someone's hurt. And someone's hurt bad right now. Dude. We still made our takeoff time because the PC was so on it, you know. Right. But I was just a passenger for that ride. I was so behind, you know. In aviation, we always say you want to be ahead of the aircraft. Yeah, I was behind the whole time. I was like, tail rotors here. I'm like back here. Even, yeah, yeah. You know, like trying to catch up because because I was so upset at myself. Right, and then right. I couldn't just bring myself. You're beating into the yourself present. up yeah. way more than the PC is. I'm sure. He, well, obviously, he didn't have time to say anything because he, now he's doing everything. He's flying. He's he's punching in Dude, coordinates. I didn't know that. He's doing everything. I think it was with uh, I think Kyle O'Connell. Oh, I guess if I had one happen to, I'd rather happen to him with him than some of those other guys. Yeah, he was pretty cool. Yeah, he never said anything to me. I mean, it was dude. Honestly, in that situation, you're just glad to get a call. You're not glad that someone's hurt, but you you're ready to fly. You want to fly, so yeah, sure. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep, and that ended up being a pretty crazy mission too. Was it? Yeah, we we so it was a land. So eventually, I catch up with the aircraft and I start helping. And uh, the so we have a nine line, which means there's nine separate lines, and each one tells you something about the mission, where you're going, um, how they're going to mark the LZ. So in this case, it was what they call a buzzsaw. So uh, like I said, I was working on the evening. By the time we're off, it's it's NVG time, mm-hmm. goggle time, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to mark the LZ landing zone with a uh, buzzsaw, which means a chem stick mm-hmm. tied at the end of the rope, and they're psh, 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 and you can just see this thing spinning, especially on your NVGs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we land a but we see a buzzsaw. We're in the area of the coordinates. Like uh, there it is, boom! And actually, it was so big that um, you might have been on this mission coming from Farrakh, because Farrakh came too. We did. Yeah, it was I a, know exactly. In the devil's knee about. there. Yep. Yep. So uh, we land. That was a crazy mission. Yeah, we land the buzzsaw, and it turns out it was Lieutenant later. Didn't know that at the time. Runs up to the aircraft and like opens my door, and you can't see, you can't tell under MVGs. You were on the ground is. first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing your guys' helicopter yep. on the ground. We were down there. And he runs up and just opens my door. I'm like, who's this guy running in our helicopter? You know, I don't know. But it was the dude with the buzzsaw, so I figured we're okay. Uh-huh. And he's like yelling something. And I'm like, what? Because he's at my door, not Kyle's door. And so I, you know, I kind of pop out my ear cup. And uh, he's like, you're at the wrong LZ. I'm like, well, why the hell are you spinning? <laughs> you're, you, know, you know, those guys on the ground, they're, they're under fire. Things are going bad, so don't hold it against them. Anyways, so now you guys come. And I think it was Casey Green was flying for you. Yep. And, uh, so before I can even close the door, I'm kind of like relaying to Kyle. He has the thing picked up and we're like sliding through. Du- he can't see anything. Can't see I, was nothing. Like, I was like, I'm glad you're flying. Cause I wouldn't know where to go. I don't know where the ground is right now. Like dust is coming in. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. And somehow he brought us to where we needed to be. And we picked up. How far boots. off were you? Not very. It was just like they were down here and they were in contact, but they didn't have any wounded. And we just had to go, I think it was up on the hill. So. So we slid over and then... Well, why was that dude doing down. a buzzsaw then? I don't know. I think we were flying... Maybe we had overflown the fur where the actual LZ was and he was like... I don't know why. Huh. 
you know, who knows how that's that stuff is passed up. And it's like a game of telephone, right? Like they're calling a nine line to, yeah, there's so to much their talk, on. and then their talk yeah. is relaying it to the aviation talk, and the aviation talk is relaying it down to us. This changes. Stuff is lost in yeah. translation, you know? Huh. Wow. I remember that one, man. That was a, that was a crazy... That was actually a pretty crazy mission. I had some pretty crazy ones. I'm going to have to get on here and talk about those one of these times. Try to remember who was on those with me. Were you on the one... Were you on the... I'm trying. I'm gonna be trying to show you guys some pop some pictures up on the screen on the YouTube channel just so you guys can kind of see Matt and see us in Afghanistan. That's the kind of cool thing about the YouTube channel part is people can visually see stuff and mm-hmm. pictures and stuff. I'll try to make it a little interesting. So guys, do, go check that out if you haven't. I know a lot of you probably like to use Spotify or Stitcher or iTunes, but the thing about the the video is, I know you don't really care about seeing us, maybe necessarily but the fact i can put some little short videos or clips without um sound you know or pictures that i think it makes it a little bit more interesting yeah so especially this being a longer podcast which i've never limited we we always go from 45 minutes to an hour this one will probably be about an hour and 20 or something like that but worth to me worth every second of it and i, I feel like we ran out of time yeah sorry like, i wasted so much time I, with my, no, you my didn't. backstory there no i mean that's you know, in aviation, there's a there can be not for everybody, but there can be a big price to pay. But it just shows if you want to do something, you gotta stick to it. It's really impressive that you did that. I mean, you obviously really wanted to fly. Like no one's gonna do that Wouldn't if they just it thought. For the world. Well, you know what I mean. Like yeah. if you thought, oh, that'd just be fun. If it was that kind of thing, it ain't gonna last. Yep. I mean, I know people right now that what said they want to from years past. Want you know, and then really they don't hit any obstacles and they just don't do it. It's just they just. And that's fine. I just didn't really, really want to do it. Yeah. Like, I knew nothing was going to stop me from doing it. So, obviously, you sound the same way. That's so. why we're such good friends. I, that must be what it is. <laughs> like spirits. But yep, spirits. Man, I don't even want to end this thing. It's not that we have to. I just don't even, like, as far as Afghanistan goes, it just feels like they're just a constant wave of wave of stuff we could talk about. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the camaraderie on the ground and the things we're doing just to waste time that was stupid but fun. And then, I mean, there were some good missions. We didn't fly as much as I thought we would. No. And in medevac, looking back on it, though, we did fly a lot. It's just not hours, which is what every pilot wants is hours. But we had missions. You know what I mean? We did. But they're no, just fast. Did. In medevac, it's, you know, you're purposefully set up so that you're not, if you're flying more than a half hour, you're probably wrong. You need, you need to have that guy on the ground, right? So, right. Um, not not the right place to go if you're looking for well, hours. Well, here's the other thing: is you gotta, you don't want to look. You gotta be careful how you say you want missions because, yeah, if we could have it, we would want missions every single day. Yep. But here's the thing: if we were, someone is getting hurt. Yeah. And we don't want that. Yeah, it's a, it's a catch twenty two. So it's like, man, if you're in it for the hours, you're in the wrong line. Yeah. Medevac is not the line for you. But if you're in it because you do want to help when you can perfect yeah it was that mission fits my personality i don't think there's a better mission in the army personally anywhere it's a great yeah it's a great reward especially if you can save lives and there's always going to be lost lives in it and that was the stuff that bothered me the most because i feel like we could have made a difference but there was just some situations that that to me were not called for and i know you were you're aware of the same ones you know just to me there was no reason why some things happened that should have risk assessments downfall of the army it is Send us, let us do our job. Yep. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We signed up. We They're more worried about bullet holes in a helicopter than they are about saving human life sometimes. I hate to say that, dude, but it's the truth. 
We'll finish up with this story right here. This will be our final one. And so what what's the scenario here? So scenario is we have a lead aircraft and chase aircraft. We were what we call self-chase over there, which means, you know, in a combat zone, a medevac helicopter is unarmed. Titus said earlier, except for our crew chiefs in the back have M4s. And I guess the pilots do too, but useless, right? Unless we have to PL or something. Um, so we're unarmed. So we did was called self-chase, meaning the first helicopter was the one picking up anyone injured. And then we had another medevac chase it. So if anything went wrong, now we can use them for evac or to help out in any way. If there's more injuries, then we're on the nine line, then they can come down and help out, which happened a couple times over there actually. But on this mission in particular, there, there was a, a tick troops in contact um, just out in the middle of the desert. I don't even know why they're fighting there. It wasn't one of the usual spots. And, uh, there were some injuries to, uh, the Afghan counterparts that were helping us out in this particular battle. Mm -hmm. I was on the chase aircraft. So we go in there as about, it wasn't that long of a flight. So you pull all the power you can when you're going on these. So at full power, I think out there at that altitude and weight, we were going, uh, I want to say probably, 130, 135, 135 knots or so. So about 150, 155 miles per hour. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think we made it out there in about 10 minutes. Um, so as as lead or uh, starts going in, they radio us and they're or actually the the ground guys radioed up to us and said, "Hey, we have more uh, more mm -hmm. injured than we originally told you. We need you both." Now was this was this locals or was this actually Americans? It was Americans that call okay. us, yeah. Okay. But but it was no. But I mean, were they the ones that were hurt? No, no Americans were hurt. <laughs> okay. Um. So we, you know, talk between the aircrafts, and we're like, "All right, we'll just follow you in." At, uh, and like, you know, I was new, so I and like I said earlier, co-pilot's one primarily doing the flying, but I was with a very senior CW four, and he said, "I'm going to fly this in." It was zero illumination, straight in the middle of the desert, and we're going to be now not only zero illumination. Now this was early morning, right? It wasn't yeah. in the middle of the night. It was actually. It was early in the morning, yeah. Like two or three or four, yeah, something like that. Yeah, because by the end of this whole incident, it, mm -hmm. it was light. Um, but he he said, you know, not only do we have, it's a tick, you know, we're being shot at, it's dark, and then we're going to be landing number two, so we're not battling our own, we're going to brown out before. Yeah, yeah. Because before we're number two, close. right? So yeah. it's not going to be from our dust, it's going to be from their dust, so I'm going to do it. And I said, please. How <laughs> <laughs> about it, sir? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we go in, we do the landing, and uh, under NVGs, when you land in dust, you can see mm -hmm. the disc. You can see the diameter of mm -hmm. just the outside of it from all the static electricity of the of the rotor hitting the sand, right? So we land, and that's all I can see through the dust is leads green circle around their disc. That's all I can see. And then all of a sudden, it starts kind of wobbling. And then it really starts wobbling. I'm like holy crap, something's going on with them. And then they radio us and they're like, something, we're, we're shutting down, we're shutting down, we're shutting down. Like emergency and shutdown, right? So we're like, crap, so we have all these injured coming and now they're shutting down for something in the middle of this bat. And you can see tracers going back and forth. Like in the helicopter, we have these in the front, uh, in the pilot seats, we have these wings that pull out and they'll stop up to a 762. And I'm back on the controls at this point because the landing's done. So I'm just sunk back like that behind this thing because the tracers are just going you know I'm like, was there really that many that? huh yeah we're staying here until until we load up yeah, especially yeah. now and so i'm just gonna sink in here and whatever happens happens 
so we're in radio contact with the with our lead and uh it was jay enders was in lead as the other pilot yep. and um he comes running up to our helicopter and he throws like all their nvgs and and um uh other gear in our helicopter and he's like loading the wounded take two of my guys i'm staying here and he runs off like jay was he was a stud yeah <laughs> like he's gonna stay and fight with these guys yeah all right it was awesome. he has his m4 and he what he did yeah yeah and so we load up the two wounded and then obviously our guys were ambulatory meaning they could sit in seats so we had room for them i think we had two stretchers and then two of our guys from the first and one i think one of the crew chiefs stayed with jay i don't remember exactly so we fly back now we're single ship and uh um but here here's the thing that that really me off and is a uh negative on the the military and the career progress people are so worried about their career progression like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. so at this point now we have apaches overhead because this is a, a major battle and we have an aircraft down and i hear the colonel in charge of all aviation in rc west which is where we are come on over the radio could hear it because it was being relayed through the apaches up top actually i didn't hear him it was from them they said to us um so we have an aircraft down and we're in the middle of a, f- a firefight and we went there because there's dudes that are wounded. And the colonel in charge of all this, all he wants is to make sure that we have uh, a card that goes in the aircraft. It logs everything that goes wrong. He's like, make sure you take the, I don't remember what it's called right now, PIMCA card basically out mm-hmm. of that aircraft. Didn't ask, is everybody okay? Didn't ask, you know, what's your next steps? Right, right. He wants to make sure that he can hang somebody for this yep. hard landing. That's mm-hmm. all he cared about. Mm-hmm. And that's what soured me. I was, you know, on this whole deployment was that incident, right? That there. was the one. Yeah, man. Cause who cares? Right. Let's no, make I, sure, Hey, let's I'm make sure all these guys are okay. Trust me, dude. We're still, we're still sitting on the ground in the middle of a firefight. Like, like don't even yeah. bring it up until, you know, it's over. Yeah. Let us do our job first at least. Oh dude, I got soured. I, I was livid. Honestly, most of our team got soured. Yeah. Well, our then, almost our whole team was soured. Then Fourth of July happened. And, yeah, Fourth of July. That wasn't even my. To me, that wasn't even my worst. It was one of the bad ones. But then one of my worst ones was the one where we went and picked the dude up. And I'm not even going to get into details, but we went and picked the dude up. It was hot too. We actually had two um, Marine guys covering us because it was a hot LZ. Oh, this was this down in Bastion then. The uh, yes, because the Marines always yes, had our back down there. Yes, it was down, down south. Yeah. yeah. So they fly that, which was really sweet. But they were they were up on the hill. We were down in the valley, so it was definitely a perfect setup for us getting ourselves in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they were covering us up, and I believe they were in the uh, what's the the Huey version, the newer one that they fly, the Marines. Yeah, I forget the name of it. It's like Huey Two or Super Huey. Yeah, they were flying those. They're sick. But anyways, uh, yeah. So we had already picked the dudes up, and it was all locals again. But it was with our guys. It was like our combat engineers with the local good guys, basically. And there was like, I think there was eight hurt, shot. I mean, messed up pretty bad. Picked them up. Boom, boom. We land. We we take four. The other one takes four. Take off. The guy that I have on video, have footage. I have his oh, you know, obituary and everything. He was a sergeant first class. Actually, close to my age. And he was talking to telling us, hey, you know, this is what we got. You know, here, we're good to go. Patting us on the back. Hey, go. Took off. He ended up getting a shot right after we left. I didn't know Because him, him and his captain, or I think it was captain, ran up to Hill, Hill chasing the Taliban. 
you know, doing what they do, you know, they're combat engineers, they ain't jacking around. And, um, we get another nine line that he shot and you know what they did? Wouldn't let you go pick him up. Wouldn't let us go pick him up. You know why? Too risky. Because they wanted, it was not only was it too risky, that wasn't even the main thing. The main thing is they wanted to get for a mission. Shut up. I promise to God. That was why. Oh, that's terrible. And they were, dude, not only were they, uh, it, it lits, lights me up, dude. It makes me so mad. Not I, only I didn't were they. That. I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. It's going to stew on you now after yeah, you think about it. To. Dude, they were, not only were they like 45 more minutes flight from where we were at to get to the same place. We could get there in 10. We had already been there. Yeah. We already know the scenario. Yep. We already know the landing zone. We know the guys now. We could have got there in 10 minutes. We already had dropped our guys off at Bastion. You're, at the still, air. At, you're still flying, Well, probably. full flight, dude. Yeah. We could have been there in 10 minutes, got this guy, brought him back. But no, someone won. This, they never get to do nine lines over here. We're going to send them. They're 45 minutes on top of us, on top of what it, what it took us 10. So they sent Delarom then, not for because we closed for our down number. So you're no, that was when that. it was still open, dude. It wasn't closed yet. Yeah, we when we left okay, there, they closed Okay, I'm sorry. It. it was Delarome. But either yeah. way, I'm just saying it was a 45-minute... It was like a 45-minute yeah, flight. way further from, dude, where, 30, from where all the Dude, someone was were. shot in the chest yeah. through the underneath their body armor, and you are you really give a stinking care about someone don't get to do no cotton-picking missions? That's that's what me off is, is what, they're thinking about other stuff. They're not on the ground. They're not seeing what, what these guys are seeing. They, dude, they need help. Who cares? Send send everybody. I don't care. Send everybody. Whoever is there first, pick them up. Yeah. It's mind blowing, dude. People don't, and I'm sure it's not like that with every unit. But that one, that's just that is why I was like, I'm out of this joint, man. Like, I don't want nothing to do with this. Yep. And you know, and so you think that was intercepted at our level, at the medevac level, and, and repassed down, or you think that was the aviation overall aviation commander that did that? No, supposedly it was. It was on our level. Our level. I see. That's ridiculous. It's insane. I should be fired. Honestly, God, dude. No, I really in all legitimacy i had to really deal with like hate dude for a long time like i've never felt like i've hated anyone but i really had to fight and struggle with that and only i believe only god could take took that out of my heart because i i i hated that guy like legitimately he like i felt like he was he committed murder like we could have helped that guy i'm now what if he lived i don't know i'm not god you know like but we could know is but we could have got him back to that so quick Mm mm-hmm Dude, all of us were mad. I mean, like, I wanted to bash. I threw my helmet. I mean, we're all just, dude, we didn't talk the rest of the evening. We're just sitting around like, I can't believe this. I can't believe I didn't know that. I can't believe either because I believe Crowley was there. I think he was, was it him that was my medic? Maybe he didn't know the, you know, the um, the yeah. leadership aspect of it. I don't know. But anyways, that was, there's a lot more details to that story. But anyways, that was kind of the short version of it. But yeah, no, that's the things that will make you mad. Yeah. You don't make you bitter about that stuff because it's like, this is a joke. This isn't, we're playing with people's lives, you know, for, uh, for what? So for you can get it, maybe a medal on your chest. So a medal and you can go up another level and now you can jump to this, uh, pay grade. Yeah. Give me a break, dude. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. No, that's so. disturbing. It, is, it really is, dude. I, un- unfortunately it happened a few times. You know, there's, yeah. there's my time. There's mm-hmm. the story you're talking about. There's 4th of July. I mean, Happened a lot. It did. That's sad. It's actually really sad. And when you think of the stories, the family members that are, you know, 
it's like what what are they relaying to him because they're lying to him whatever you know they're not telling the truth how what how, how it really happened what really went down they're never going to know that yeah well, and and it's better for them i don't think they should i don't i don't know it's not going what's it going to change nothing so but I honest, mean, bottom honestly, line, on the on the ground, they probably don't even know all that's happening. They just put in a nine line, and no, I know they're just waiting for helicopters to show up. They don't right. know about all that BS in the middle. Yeah, no, I agree. So, well, any fun stories before we end this? <laughs> end on a <laughs> yeah, we're kind of ending on a sour note I here. Know. Um, stories, no, but I'll just say that uh, uh, a blessing out of. All of all that is, you know, meeting guys like this. You know, I, I was in Washington State. He's down here in California. Never would have crossed paths, paths no. with you in a million years. Yeah. If it wasn't for the military and if mm. it wasn't for that year that we uh, you know, survived together. And um, we did do some good, you know. We did. And it felt good and it was good to go to war. And I would uh, go over there and think that we're doing some good. And I, I'm lucky to have met Titus. You know, we talk maybe three, four times a year, not that often. But here we are just chatting up old stories yeah you know like we've been friends our whole lives so i think that's awesome and that's a good note that's a good thing that's a that's a relationship you can't get no no other way Nope. you know yep that's the thing is i think it's better when we get together and talk about this kind of stuff it kind of just vents it out you know and you can't i mean you tell people i'm not trying to act like dude i will never tell anybody i have ptsd i don't have ptsd it's a real thing i think you just have things that affect you but it's not necessarily to the level where people are really bad, you know? Because, dude, I never look at myself as someone like, oh, man, I really just just went through this. And, and it's just, you know what I'm, I don't know how to explain it. But there is guys that make me look like I was on a vacation, dude. Absolutely. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, but everyone has things affect you in different ways. And you go through different scenarios. And everybody goes through something, you know, face something. So, and like you said... There's things I regret about the military, but I wouldn't change that as far as serving my country. Yep. I don't regret that. I'm glad I got to serve. I'm glad I got to go on a deployment. There's things that you got to deal with because of that, but I wouldn't change nothing or the relationships I made and the things that, like you said, the good that we did get to do. Mm -hmm. It was it was well worth it. Yeah. So. In hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. And uh, to end this up, I just want to, all of you that are listening that are veterans or active duty now, we appreciate your service and we're thankful for you that you're still serving and, or you vets, vets that have served in the past and um, huge, huge thank you for your serving your country, for serving us. And Matt, thank you that you're still active now and you're still serving and I'm glad you're back safely from your last deployment and I'm um, well, we're going to pray the best for you in this venture in the the uh, airline industry. I'm <laughs> got a great Matt's got a great personality and friendliest guy in the world, so I know he's going to go a long ways and maybe he's going to have to get me on the airlines if I get sick of this crop nesting yeah. soon enough. Just let me know. Yeah, they so need you. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for and having I me. I hope everybody fun. everybody enjoyed it. If you guys liked it, uh, if you're on iTunes, give it a rating and review. Let us know your thoughts on uh whatever what you think about the military, what you thought about this podcast, what you think about it, the podcast in general. Comments are welcome on the YouTube channel. Just comment down below. And thanks again, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. We'll see you guys on the next one. Yep. See y'all.